0: So, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, the test of knowing uh, Christ. 2, verse 3, the test of knowing him. Uh, 2, verse 12, uh, their spiritual state is discussed. 2, verse uh, he gives us those commands of do not love the world. It's perishing, it's dying, and that our lives should be fully enraptured with Christ. John, the last living apostle who uh, experienced the presence, the life, the touch, the voice, uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ, is now speaking to the whole of the church. He addresses fathers. He addresses sons. He addresses children. And he often refers to all of the readers, as he does here in verse 18, little children. And uh, we should have that approach, the simplicity of having a good father, and we just accept what he is to say, right? I mean, the world's cruel. Many of us have experienced all various degrees of human beings. Some of us had absolutely terrible fathers. Others had exemplary parents, wonderful uh, in every way. Uh, You know, even Christian, wonderful, believing parents that were kind and nurturing and uh, demonstrated Christ's to us all of the is sinners <laughs> the heavenly father and he addresses little children we're little children and we have a good father and he is talking to us from that position so uh the deception of the last hour is what these verses are titled verse 18 little children it is the last hour And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, um, the last hour. Uh, John wrote this 2,000 years ago. Uh, So how many seconds do we have left, right? Uh, Given where we are, look at what's going on around us, right? Antichrist, let's be very careful. Uh, 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 The movies and... Literature and all the different things have made Antichrist to seem like some hideous person. You know, he's going to be devilish. He's going to look horrible. You know, he'll have the number 666, you know, tattooed in huge numbers on his forehead. You'll see him from 100 miles away. Gather your children up and run away. Uh, Not so. Not so. Uh, Antichrist doesn't mean any of those things. It is in place of Christ. That's what it means. It isn't against, opposed, at war with. It's substitute, right? You have well-meaning friends, want you to eat better. They say, here, try this sugar substitute. It's evil. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. Stevia, it's just like sugar. No, it's not. You know, I mean, it's just you're evil and stop trying to give me anti-sugar. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's it, 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 it kills me. It's deadly. It leaves a bad aftertaste in my mouth. I don't want anything to do with it. OK, uh, not all of you experienced some of the things I did. Uh, how many of you guys uh, experienced the drive up A&W as a child? A&W root beer, right? A few of us. Did they come out on roller skates? No, our our waitress came out on roller skates. So drive up, tray, hook it on your window. Remember that, right? Did you ever get to keep the little mug, right? Do you know they still exist? We found one on the way home. Yeah, they make the root beer on site. Cane sugar, that tastes like nothing else in the world. Nothing else in the world. Don't give me substitute. Right? Don't even go over to the refrigerator and pull one out in a plastic bottle. And it says corn syrup right on the side. Right? Cane sugar made on site. Sarsaparilla. We're talking root beer like you've only tasted a few times in your life. So good. Replacement of. This is what the Antichrist is doing. He's trying to imitate Christ. He's trying to be Christ. He's trying to get rid of Christ. By replacing Christ with himself. <clears throat> All of Daniel and what's being talked about. About the Antichrist coming. And the agreement made with Israel. And he allows them to sacrifice. But then he comes in. Interrupts the sacrifice. And demands to be worshipped as God. Worshipped as God. Antichrist. Replacement of the Christ. The world is doing that everywhere. Right? You know. Go to places and experience All these different things. Just don't talk about sin. You know, talk about self-help. Talk about motivational speakers. Talk about all of these positive attributes. Do anything and everything to improve the human condition without, right, homilageo, confession, saying the same thing he's saying, without, right, metanoia, the changing of the mind, the turning around, going the opposite direction. Come as close as you can to being Christian without being Christian. Don't don't ever preach. Don't say there's one way. Don't say Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except by him. Don't say those things. They're offensive. They're offensive to the world. They're offensive to the false religion. Antichrist is in the world. Okay? It It is present now. You know, it was present when John was here, when it was the last hour. When we're, we're down to the final moments, you better believe Antichrist is here. Okay? Yeah, I mean you, you guys hopefully by now have a really firm grasp on how close we are to financial collapse. Right? This nation, the and and thereby, right, because the whole world is leaning on the American dollar. Uh, this nation is so close to collapse, thereby the whole world is so close to financial collapse. Uh, Imagine what would happen if all of that happened and then an individual stepped forward with a financial saving plan for the whole world. Oh, they would worship him. If he stepped forward and said, this is the plan. Uh, Think about what happened, 9-11, in the the terrorist attack and, and the dramatic changes that that came when we just gave up our freedom. Just said, okay, you know, so Patriot Act, great. I'll sign where do I sign? You know what I'm saying? As long as I'm safe, as long as you tell me I'm safe, I might not even be safe. Just tell me I'm safe and I'll sign on a dotted line and we'll let you just take our freedoms away. By extension what we're doing right now is just is just a furtherance of those same things. The government is just clenching its control more and more and more. Antichrist Christ produces freedom. Christ produced love. Christ produced caring and worship. Antichrist takes all of those things away, robs us of them. Already in the world. Now, speaking of them plural, right? Many antichrists have come. He says in 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, They would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest, obvious, plain, exposed, visible is the idea. It may be made manifest, right? So you could see them. You know, you were sort of hunting around. Who are they? Where are they hiding? Right? They're part of the Illuminati. They are the Illuminati. They're hiding in the shadows. They're part of the they're the shadow government. They're this, they're that. You got all these things that everybody's paranoid about. And here John is saying, "Oh, it's pretty easy to know who they were. They went out from us." Right? They imitate us. They behave like us. They do the things that you think are us, but they are not of us at all. They went out from us that it would be made manifest that none of them were of us. They never were. And, you know, you hear people talking about that like, oh, well, we hang out with this group. We go attend that over there. We, we, you know, went to this meeting. We went to that meeting. They're, they're just like you. They're just like us. They believe it. No, they're not. No, they really are not. You know, there there are those ones that are plain to see. The other ones are sort of Hidden. Uh, what's what's the truth of the matter they emerged from us had they been of us they would have remained with us they would have stayed in the belief they would have held on to christ they would confess jesus christ as we confess jesus christ right now you know like like we're supposed to buy that just like i was talking about the sweetener right they're they're so close to being christian they're just like christian they're not christian but they're just like christians And we're all supposed to go, oh, okay, that's good. It's fine. That's fine. As long as they're just like Christians, you know, do they confess Jesus Christ as Lord of all, right? Is their heart and their life and their mind and their knee, literally, would they physically bow before Jesus Christ and his authority? No, I don't think so. Not Antichrist because they're there to replace Christ. They're there to pull people away Christ it's a remarkable thing to recognize who they are but you have an anointing from the Holy One so that's most specifically the Holy Spirit but it is God encompassing the Holy One uh, that's being spoken of here and you know all things now if you're sitting there right now like poking your spouse like see I told you you know I know all things I've been trying to tell you that for years We weren't lost. I knew where I was going. You know what I'm saying? All these different things. No, no. This this isn't that sense at all. It's that by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to talk about this, you have the ability to know what you need. You have it for your faith, for your salvation, for abiding, for walking with Christ, for walking in the light as he walks in light. All these things. How am I ever going to do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to guide you. Holy Spirit's going to lead you. Holy Spirit's going to teach you, right? Uh, we've talked before about uh, you know cheap title, but the baloney meter, you know, when, uh, when it does, when you hear it and you go, ah, something's off, you know, somebody's trying to share you, and they're standing on your doorstep. They look so clean, crisp, black pants, white shirt, black badge. You're thinking this almost sounds right. And then you study and learn and think, no, there's, there's something wrong here. This doesn't add up. They're saying Jesus over and over, telling me they worship Jesus. Their badge even says that they're from the church of Jesus Christ. But something tells me they're not, right? The Holy Spirit is teaching you what you need, and you would be so wise to trust that thing that the, the holy spirit is creating in you you have an anointing from the holy one and you know all things i have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth right it's amazing how easy it is to see a lie you have people and if you're a liar you, you convince yourself That uh, you're really quite deceptive and it's very difficult to see your lies. Well, a lie is very easy to see if you just take some time. The first one is it's going to set that trigger off of something's not right. I'm not comfortable. (laughs) This isn't what it appears to be. Listen, pay attention. And what will happen is what's being said will change. Okay. The truth can't ever change. The truth is the truth. It's unchangeable. You can't change the truth. The lie always has to change. You know, you go along for a while and you finally see the thing that stands right up and says, this is his hypocrisy. It's not real. And when you confront it, then the explanations come, well, we said that before because of this. And that's the reason why it's okay. You know, I mean, the examples are endless inside Christianity. The false teachers, you know, uh, Robert Tilton years ago uh, got busted for just stealing all the money. Went to jail. You know, he's back out. He's on TV. He's preaching. He's collecting money again. Really remarkable how this stuff goes. But, uh, you know, the money's missing. And so, you know, the government steps in and starts investigating and looking into things. One of the things they find is that um, tens of thousands of letters are coming from all over the world and um, rather than sit down and open up the letter and read the prayer request they've just got a machine you bang the letter and run it through and it cuts an end off the envelope and you blow it open and take the check out or take the money out and you just throw the letter in the pile for the trash right and the next one and take the money out and throw it away and the next one and the money out then Well, and then they show up and all the letters are in the trash, right? Basically unopened, you know, some of them are still glued to the sticky back. You know, the letters actually adhered inside. And so they confront them with what's the deal? You're just taking the money out of these envelopes without ever reading the prayer requests, right? And Tilton literally says, well, I had to do that because You know, I I was reading all of these letters in the beginning, and I was just so emotional that I was crying. And in crying, uh, the ink was running out of the uh, letters, and I was absorbing it, and I I ended up being hospitalized for ink poisoning. And so we stopped doing that. So now we just open and take the money out. We set them in a pile, and, and I put my hands over them. I don't even touch them because now I'm so affected by the ink poisoning I already. I mean, do you want to just stand up and slap a grown man at that point? You know what I'm saying? Just taking hundreds of thousands of dollars away from people who need it. Stealing, thievery, lies. They're, they're, They're replacing Christ. They're telling people, send your money now. You will receive the healing it's really unfortunate so many people are led astray by these they're liars and no lie is of the truth uh, there are people that literally uh, try to insist that yeah i know that's a lie but i was doing it for the good of christ no no you weren't no you weren't you're doing it because your father is the devil that's what jesus said right right that's his native tongue. Lies are his native tongue. What a remarkable thing to say. Uh, you know, that someone's native speech is lies. You know, maybe you've met people like that. Maybe you've had to deal with people like that, where at first you believe them. And over time, you finally came to the point where, like, not only does this person lie, that's all they say. Everything that comes out of their mouth is, untru- I can't trust them about anything. You know, if I asked them, if it's sunny outside right now, whatever they told me would probably be a lie, right? there are people like that their mind is messed up no lies of the truth so so put that in your mind when you find within someone's teachings not differences right not differences of opinion you know, this guy thinks uh, Jesus is coming back before the tribulation begins. This one thinks Jesus is coming back in the middle of the tribulation. I mean, he's wrong. But you know, this one thinks he's coming back at the end of the tribulation and he's wrong too. But they're not lying, right? They're just wrong. And that's that's you know, there it's okay it's okay for them to be wrong. Does that sound too arrogant? I didn't mean it to be. I just we hold fast to the, you know, the opinion and the understanding that Jesus Christ is coming back before the tribulation. And there's a great explanation for that, and it's really quite simple. Uh, I'm talking about those who lie. Once you have figured out, this guy's lying. He's presenting himself as a minister of Christ, but he's a liar. Don't listen anymore. Stop, stop listening and trying to figure out now, is that real? or I guess I'll take the first five minutes of this sermon But then, you know, paragraph two, B, I'll throw away. And then what what are you going to do? Is it either going to be truthful or you're going to be a liar? And the antichrists always lie. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, right? And Christ is not his second name. It's not his last name. Jesus Christ will cast. So That's not what we're talking about, right? The anointed one. Right. Oh, right. Buddhism has an anointed one, also. No, they don't. You know, I it means it's it's not true. There's only one anointed of God, and that is Jesus, the Christ. Definite article, the, the Christ. There's only one. Yeah, you know, it's it's lame, right? Often imitated, never duplicated. So that's what, that's what we're talking about right here. Right, These antichrists are all trying to be the Christ. Uh, look, I'll, 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 I'll dig in a little deeper on this, a little harder. It might hurt for some of us. Roman Catholic institution, I'm always very careful to refer to it as that way, right? because I know there are Christians inside Catholicism. But there is an institution created by men that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And I mean that. Nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It is false religion. The Roman Catholic institution gave their popes centuries ago the title Vicar of Christ. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. Vicar means replacement of, right? If you're the vice mayor and the mayor has some debilitating illness, drops into a coma, and is hospitalized, and they come to you as the vice mayor and they say, you are now the mayor. You are vicar of mayor. You are, for the time he's in the coma, you are mayor. <clears throat> That's what vicar means. Substitution of becoming one in the same. Mayor's in the coma, you're now the mayor. Vicar of mayor. Vicar of Christ? Think about how blasphemous that is to say that the Pope is presently. Christ, because Christ, they say, is gone back to heaven and is essentially inaccessible. So therefore, the Pope will act as Christ upon earth. Are you kidding? Why would you? And they knowingly give him this title. When they first did it, what's really remarkable, you guys, when they first did it, they put the title on his headband, vicar in Roman numerals. Guess what that Roman numeral was? 666. How remarkable is that? And everybody stands around and goes, now I wonder. (laughs) You're looking at it. Historically, the church has done this over and over and over again. No, more subtle ways. All the things that people need of Jesus they're now looking to their superstar pastor for rather than learning to pray learning to fast learning to study the word of God they receive everything from and through this individual and he's fine with it he's going to stand in that place and be the superstar and act like yes I'm capable of giving you all those things replacing Christ it's a really treacherous thing our heart our heart without Christ is destined for idolatry and there are always there and those there that will accept that the, the inappropriate worship and the focus on Jesus who alone is the chosen one of God, who's capable of filling all things, right? What was his first title there with Moses at the burning bush? I am. Okay. You got to understand how carefully selected that term was and what God meant by that. He, he said it in such a way that in the Hebrew it's 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 designed in its tone and its structure in Hebrew as an answer. It, it, it's this, you know, like, like if I said to you, my name is Yup. If I if I worded it with all that tone, yup, <laughs> you know. And you came and said, you know, hey, are we, uh, you know, leaving when this service is over? And, you know, and I said, Yup, you know, that's my name. And if everything was said to you that way, you would begin to get the understanding that that's what I'm trying to imply. Like I'm the yup. (coughs) I'm answering it. That's what that that name is. I am. What's your need? Right. God, I'm I'm desperate right now. Will you help me? You know? Yeah, I am. Uh, I need this thing I am well, What about I am I am your need I am your fulfillment I am your salvation I am That's how he designed and presented his name to the nation of Israel I- I'm lonely you know can you keep me from being lonely I am You know I'm hungry can you provide me with food I am This is what he's saying That's how he's presenting himself to the world. Now think about how much the world is looking to all kinds of other resources. They're they're replacing God. They're taking the I am out and filling it with things that uh, leave a sour taste in your mouth. You know, like stevia, sweet and low, you know, all the substitutes that leave you disappointed leave you wanting he who denies that jesus is the christ that jesus is the i am the fulfillment oh well you know my god i think of more of him like this or that so you're replacing god you're saying jesus is not enough you're designing your own like it's a salad bar you know i like my god to have more of this and less of that and I certainly don't like the confrontational things. I'll scrape those right off. You know, I like all the sweet stuff, the good things, the acceptance. I know like any confrontation in my God. You know what I'm saying? We, we create an idol. Philosophically, this is what human beings do. The one who denies uh, that, that he is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. We get into a few things in the wording here that are very confrontational to the Jehovah's Witnesses, to the Mormons, to the cults, to the false religions, because this statement right here is saying one and the same, right? The one who denies the Father and the Son as a unit, as one. they're, They're having a fit, right, as Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one, and they're going to kill him over that, right? They take up stones, and he confronts them, saying, you know, for which of my good deeds do you stone me right now? And they make that statement. Uh, we're not stoning you because of the good deeds you did. We're, we're stoning you because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God, right? It's been pointed out by countless ministers uh, that it's not the the, the awe that This man makes himself out to be God. What's most astonishing is that this God has made himself man and come and dwelt amongst us. If you're denying that Jesus is the father, then you don't have the father either. This is what John goes on to say. You have to couple these together. They are not separable. You can't say, oh, I'm not really impressed by the Old Testament God. I'm more a fan of Jesus. That's one and the same thing. You you have to have these together. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Acknowledges the Son as God. Acknowledges the Son as Christ. Then he has the Father also. So when you run into people that that act that way. Like, oh, yeah, I'm very spiritual. I mean, I'm not really into Jesus. I don't really, act, you know, that whole thing. I'm not. Oh, so you're not very spiritual. Well, no, I really am. No, you really am it. You're not even close. Let truth abide in you. Verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. You've got to think about how this is being presented and who it's being presented to. Because John's the last eyewitness. So everybody else has learned from those that saw him. They, they weren't those that saw them. Everyone he's addressing in this letter is someone who has learned from an eyewitness. And now John is giving them that testimony as an eyewitness in this process. And he's saying, you got a hold of this. You know, so often people are saying nowadays and throughout human history, you know, if only I could have seen, I, 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 you know, I believe, I would believe much more readily if I had seen these things. I only wish I could have been there and seen. Well, there were many that were there who were eyewitnesses to these things who never became believers. Saw miracles, saw people raised from the dead and went, yeah, I don't know. Probably some trick, probably some sleight of hand. You yeah, know, they were skeptics. They were doubters. You know, yeah, he five loaves, two fish, fed 5,000 of us. But, you know, probably had a trick up his sleeve. We just, you know, that, that's what the seminaries are saying today. You know, that everybody had lunch with them. The common practice of the day was to tie your lunch in a big handkerchief with two big ears on it, and you would pull your sleeve way up and lay that over your elbow and tie it tightly on your elbow. And then your lunch is here, and you pull your sleeve down over, and you would walk with it that way. And now you've been with Jesus all this time, and everybody's hungry. And if you pull your lunch out, everybody's going to ask you if you would share with them so you're not, you know, gonna show yours but this one innocent boy who's just so genuine takes out his lunch and says here look i've got five loaves and two fish and i'll share with everybody and everybody else goes oh okay and they pull up their sleeve and they take out their lunch and they all they all share together so really the miracle was in sharing i don't think so i don't think so are you telling me everybody had that much food Right, If if there was just a handful of people that brought their lunch with them, I don't think there would have been 12 large baskets of leftovers. Right, that, that term where they were full is the Thanksgiving idea of glutted to the point of pain. That's literally why, hey, would you like seconds? Yes, in fact, I'll take thirds, was, was how people were eating that day. I mean, they were so glad. Everyone was glad. They just had robes on, and they're just laying back and sweating mildly. And, you know, would you like some pie? I couldn't possibly. You know, it's just everybody's wiped out, and they take up. I mean, how much food? How big are these baskets everyone's imagining, right? Have you got a duffel bag up your sleeve? What are you talking about? No, no, miraculous. Miraculous. They're always trying to dismiss them, the miraculous. Here, he's saying, right, in this situation, that the people who have believed the things they were taught stay in the things that you've been taught. You, you weren't there, you weren't witness, and now people are telling you it's false, it's fake. If you trust, if you believe what you have heard, what you've been taught, what you've seen at the hands of those who were the ministers of Christ, then you have that eternal life, right? Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. That's what's connected here. Follow this for just a second, you guys. Most of us will attest that when we first came to the Lord, There were just such profound things happening all the time. You know, you just, you couldn't hardly look to the left or the right, and there was the Lord doing miraculous things. And then later it seemed as though somehow his bold forthright presentation was not as bold and forthright. Sometimes what we asked for was there, other times not challenging and difficult things. Right? And you learn through that portion of maturity that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even if there's not a big fireworks display right in front of your face. And why is that? Because it's going to become much more important that you are capable of following christ when all that he is is that still small voice when he's the fireworks display in front of you you go oh well this is simple when he's very hard to make out in the fog of life and the difficulty of challenge and yet you're still willing to stay the course and follow him i would much rather i can tell you years on into this i would much rather serve in ministry next to the person who was capable of hearing God's still small voice than to serve with someone that has to always have some grand display, right? Because the grand displays are rare, are they not? Yet we've learned over time as believers, especially mature believers, we've learned over time, he's always there. You know, Joe Foch is the one that I first heard say that, you know, those times where you knew the Lord's presence, you prayed and the wind blew and you got chills and it was powerful and you just couldn't believe how strong the presence of the Lord was. And then in times later when you pray and you can't sense him there at all, you have to assume that God in that moment doesn't want you to sense him at all, right? Because you have the promise of his word that he's always with you, that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. So you have to assume very safely, oh, he's right there, you know? And and, and we think like, oh, just, just a little, just it doesn't even have to be, last for hours, just touch me enough to where I know your presence and it doesn't come. Can you trust his word, right? Because that's what he he bases everything upon, his word and what he said. And here's John telling the entirety of the church the same thing. Stay, abide, remain in what? Your your emotional experience? Not at all, right? The chills, the thrills? Not at all in what you were taught. Go back. Read. Read. All of Jesus' ministry, the phrase you want to look for is, I must go and teach. It's constructed several ways, right? Jesus begins his ministry by saying, I was sent for this purpose, to teach. And then he says, and I must leave here and go over there to teach. And when I'm done there, I must leave there and go over there to teach. And he left there and went and taught. And he arrived and he taught and taught, teaching, Right? When we say, I will love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, did you notice? Right, very little of that pertains to the emotion. Very little of that pertains to you know the physical. It, it's much more the sense of knowledge and knowing. Right? Because there's gonna be the physical experience, there's gonna be the emotional experience. But then there's going to be those times which are much more critical where you just have to trust what you know he has said, what you know his word says. You get the impression sometimes of we are about to be destroyed. You you read the headlines, you hear people, the doomsayers, and you're like, this is it. The catastrophic end is upon us. That's not what the Lord said, right? We all know and quote Jeremiah 29, 11. Right. Where the Lord says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, you know, that you might have a future and a hope, you know, thoughts of peace, not of evil, that you might have a future and a hope. I mean, do we all understand that that was where the collapse had finally come, their sin and their idolatry had finally caused God to lift his hand Up off from them, their enemies swooped in, destroyed them, besieged them, starved them, captured them, set hooks in their face, chained them together, and were dragging them away into captivity as their captors are mocking them and saying, you guys sing so beautifully. Why don't you sing us a song right now? They were hanging their harps in the trees. As they walked through into their captivity and their hearts were crying out to God and they were saying, why are you destroying us? Why are you killing us? Why has this evil come upon us? And God says, oh no, I know the thoughts that I think towards you in this destructive moment. Thoughts of peace, not of evil that you might have a future and hope. What's God doing? He's purging in that moment. He's purging idolatry out of that nation. He's sending them away into captivity so that when they come back, they'll never worship idols again. Never. Right. They come back, Nehemiah and Ezra, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls, and they start marrying the pagan women and having children with them. And the kids, they're not even teaching them Hebrew. They're not even teaching them the Bible. And and just so we get a clear understanding of a, a spirit-filled minister, right? The scriptures tell us that Nehemiah grabbed these men by the beard and struck them in the face and ripped out their beard in his hand confronting them over their sin, saying, this is the very thing that led us into idolatry, which led us into captivity. Are we wanting to start this cycle all over again? Being lured by the sexual appetites of our bodies into relationships that are ungodly, which will eventually lead to idolatry, which will destroy us as a nation and we'll all be taken." Wasn't that fun? 70 years in captivity? God knows what it takes to strengthen us to accomplish his work. And it's not always fun and fuzzy. We'd love it to be, wouldn't we? Look around the nation right now and what's going on. And I appreciate the ministers that are like saying, we need to rise up. We need to be more zealous. We need to do. I'm thinking right now that what this nation needs, this this Christian nation needs right now, is a hardcore spanking. And that's putting it mildly, isn't it? The most severe of correction is probably what's come. I'm enthralled with the fact that we're perhaps about to turn the tables on Roe versus Wade. Have you seen the violent reaction of our nation? Does it look like the nation is repentant? We don't need reform. We need repentance. We need broken hearts. We need people that are sincere to come to the Lord, that are saying, no, I'm not going to take some half measure. I'm not going to come halfway back to Jesus and settle into my little Christless religion over here. I'm going to come full into Jesus is the Christ. And I'm going to worship. and I'm going to teach my family and my children to worship. I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of the remnant. And if the remnant becomes widespread revival, we'll all rejoice together. But you and I can become the remnant and worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. We have to surrender to him this way. We need to return and be restored. Acknowledge the Father. Acknowledge the Son. Therefore, let him abide in you which you heard from the beginning if what you heard from the beginning abides in you you also will abide in the son and in the father and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life these things i have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone. Teach you, and let it be clarified, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, it is not a lie. And just as it was taught you, you will abide in him. A little wordy, a little confusing. The summary of the thing is that what you've been taught combined with the one who taught you, meaning the Holy Spirit. If you have the word of God and the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be able to discern who the antichrists are, what antichrist is, and where you should be in worship, right? You know, uh, how many times have you guys heard me talk about, oh, I've had some deep emotional experience. It was so profound. I couldn't even believe it. But then you read the word of God and the word of God says something that clarifies to you, this is inappropriate. Then you have to go, oh, well, maybe I'm not right on this. Uh, you guys have, you know, sick to death of me talking about like Bethel Music and all these different emotional experiences and Hill Song. Lori and I were just going through a big review on the ride home of all these different things and the avenues and where they came from and what they're doing. And one of the things we stumbled across is um, <clears throat> that uh, uh, Bethel Music, uh, one of uh, their lead ministers, is uh, saying that. Uh, like, for instance, I've spoken about Joyce Meyer. It uh, says, Joyce Meyer is the greatest Bible teacher alive in the world today. Um, no, <laughs> she's a false teacher, and no one should be listening to her. Okay. Um, they They have a teaching that they've shifted on now because... Once it got out in the public, it's so stupid that everybody was freaked out by it. And that is that where certain saints died or they were laid to rest, their gift abides there until someone absorbs it. Does that sound weird enough for you? How about this? They were going to their graves and lying on their graves until they could absorb the gift. Sounds profoundly unbiblical. Amen. You know, the weird stuff. It gives me the willies to think they shifted years later because a whole bunch of people were like, well, so wait a minute. You're communicating with the dead? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) They're trying to justify this through, well, Elijah's bones, and they threw that. No. Okay, that was a miracle from God. The Holy Spirit performed that miracle. You know, oh, well, the mantle, the mantle of Elisha, you know, a mantle of Elijah was transferred to Elisha. And so if we could just find, then we could absorb the, uh, you know, maybe we could find, like, let's just all go lay on Billy Graham's grave. What? Right. So so now, now, rather than, in, and they, they literally um, uh, labeled this in the beginning as absorption, spiritual absorption. Like where did it? Where was that in the Bible? You know what I'm saying? You know, spiritual absorption. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, no, I don't. So they shift it now. And now what they say is there are many great deposits of spiritual gifts that have been left abandoned, and we need find them, and absorb them, and use them. Wh- what? What? <laughs> you know weird things weird things this is this is why you guys I hear their music right and it's almost like I can tell now right you're just tuning through the radio and there's a spiritual song and the minute your body's like completely into it you have to go like oh wait a second this is probably not spiritual at all it's completely appealing to my flesh you know how about how about if I just say you go through the gamut? Next song, Vineyard Hill Song, Bethel. What's the other one? Elevation, right? Jesus culture. You know, Kim Walker. You just go through. If I say repetitive, hypnotic, is that not a summary, right? The same phrase and building crescendos over and over. And about the 58th time they've said it, you're like, does this song end anywhere? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, what is going on, man? Do we remember the old hymns? Right? I mean, I know. You couldn't hardly stand the out-of-tune upright grand piano and the organ and all that stuff. But read those hymns. Right? One chorus, four, six, eight verses sometimes. Right? How many of you remember, you know, hearing, you know, hymn number three fifty-four? We're gonna sing the first, the third, and the fifth stanza. Uh, stand with me now, and off you went. Read those hymns and see the depth of spiritual knowledge that was in them. Now go back and look at the life of like Fanny Crosby and and what she went through and how she surrendered herself to the Lord and the things she wrote. You guys, when, when we're being told here, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the word of God, you will not be led astray. You will not be deceived if you hold to these things. If you're just holding, right? You've abandoned the word of God. Don't even know what it says, right? You bring up subjects from the Word of God, and people are like, where do you get that? Oh, uh, the Bible, you know? I read I read the, the Bible. You know? So many are completely unfamiliar with the Word of God. Long ago, they were taught in, you know, I often like to say in cemetery, you know, in seminary, you know, they were taught that the Word of God was not trustworthy. That it, that it, you know it was completely distorted, and you you know miracles weren't real, and you couldn't trust it, and it wasn't written by God. It was written by men, and it's been changed so many times. And so don't don't say if you trust the Word of God and you trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit convicts you. You go search the Word of God, and up oh, there it is. When when you combine these two things, if all you're doing is is saying, well, I don't I don't really feel like that. That doesn't, I, I don't. So what you don't feel like it, right? How many times have we talked about, I just, I just had to follow my heart. That always turned out well, right? Every time you just followed your heart. Like pretty much every time you just followed your heart, you were wrong. It's incredibly rare that your emotions turned the screws and you're like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And wow, wonderful things came. Usually not at all. Usually not at all. I'm not talking about the baloney meter, right? That warns you and you go, I don't think this is right. And you avoid that. I'm talking about when you're just like so emotionally compelled. I want to go do. I want to experience. I want to have. And yeah, it's bad. When you combine the leading of the Holy Spirit, not your emotions, the Holy Spirit, right? A little clarification, right? That thing that gets inside your head after you've screwed up and screams at you about what you're, what a failure you are, that's your enemy, not the Holy Spirit, right? That's called condemnation, right? When you're about to go into it and there's a voice that's saying inside you, you really shouldn't do this. You're going to regret this. You're going to pay for this. The cost is going to be way higher than you think. This is not a small thing. Everything about you is saying it's a bit. I know it's It's so not going to be any big deal, and, and that has blown up in your face so many times that that's the Holy Spirit, right? Who is convicting? He's not condemning. He's convicting you. Convicting you, if you will turn your face to the Word of God. Here comes the conviction. Something's going on. Holy Spirit's speaking. I gotta search. Just keep reading. It'll you'll fall upon it. I guarantee. You pour through the Word. You don't have to right have a teacher who's like, well, if you really want to know the deep things of God, then you've got to buy my three books and my seventy-eight part, you know, MP three, you know, podcast. You got to listen. If you don't, if you don't pay for those, then you'll you'll be lost. You'll be lost without me, you know, is is what they're saying. Pay now. Three easy installments. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. If it's the gospel, if it's the truth, then you you can pretty much guarantee, well, it's free. It's free. That's usually the way that works. You know, you can dig in deeper. There are some, I just invested in a $39.95 hardcover book of uh, difficult topics in the Bible, the complete encyclopedia from Genesis to Revelation. That's my nighttime reading now. Tearing apart the difficult topics. Understanding all the language and what's involved in those. That that stuff entertains me. Right? The Holy Spirit led me to that book which is built entirely from the Bible. If you have the Holy Spirit and you have the Word of God, that's what you need. World War II, men Uh, were taking apart uh, New Testaments that had been handed out by the chaplains, taking all the pages out of them, and they were keeping one page and handing it down the line because they knew they were probably going to be in heaven or hell within a day. Keep the next page. And if they survived it, they would collect the pages from the dead and redistribute them and and oh you have uh, page 153 i have 150 here we'll swap they were living on the word of god day to day holy spirit speaking to their hearts collecting the word and living by it you have that opportunity here that eternal life these things i've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you. One of these antichrist false teachers, you know, special uh, knowledge guys. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Unchanging, unmoving, abiding, steadfast. Word of God doesn't move. Word of God doesn't change, right? At no point did the scholars need to sit down and say, "Okay, we got to rewrite the book. It's, it's just way—it's become so obvious that it's so irrelevant and it's so messed up. Let's just—you know—let's just start in Genesis and get this thing right. Didn't ever have to do that. It—it—you it, know—it is the solid rock. It is the rock of Jesus Christ. It is the foundation." You received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You received the word of God. Abide in these things. Stay in these things. Remain in these things. Don't move. I was with a group of pastors, all pastors, serving together in a ministry. We were establishing the bylaws of the ministry and it comes up well you know this is an interdenominational ministry so um, are we going to require that the people in leadership in this ministry uh, that they not drink or are we going to allow them to drink and the debate begins and I'm sitting at the table like what what are we dealing with here I was astonished I couldn't believe it was even a debate and I put a couple of points in, but it finally comes down to, I just can't believe what's been discussed for more than an hour now. And they finally say, so what do you think, Will? And I say, well, let's turn to Timothy. And I start reading and then, I, you know, let's go over to Titus and see what Paul said to these young authors. And I'm, I'm, Completed and I've made my position of anyone in biblical leadership should not be given to drink at all. And one of the having heard all of that, one of the pastors says, you know, sometimes when I listen to you, I just don't know how you come up with this stuff. (laughs) Timothy and Titus, that's how I did it. I opened the Bible. He literally, without any hesitation, fired right back at me and said, I've just never heard any of this before. And you're a pastor. You know? You've never heard Timothy and Titus? You've never heard the apostles, Pauls, uh, admonishing these two young pastors before about the conduct of a, a a pastor and a leader in the church. You never heard this. You have a deg- you have a master's degree in theology, right? I'm a ex criminal, dropout, junkie, you know, acid head man, and you and I know what it says, and you don't. Remarkable, remarkable. You guys, what we need. It's here. It doesn't change. can't change. Why? It's the truth. It's not a lie. It doesn't shift. It's not in motion, right? Years ago, that publication, magazine, Christian magazine, for all of Christianity to absorb itself in, relevant. (laughs) And you read it, and nothing in it is relevant to Christ at all. And they're all telling us we need to change the word of God and make it more relevant. No, we don't. No. No, you could have like ripped all these words out of this page and just reprinted 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and put relevant of that cool picture of the skateboard on the front and sent it out to all the youth in Christianity and changed lives. And affected and impacted the kingdom. And instead you sat around and talked about, you know, what was cool and what was not. This is what we need. The anointing you've received from him abides in you, remains in you. Uh, you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it was taught you, you will abide in him. How about this? You're, like, you're sitting there thinking right now, like, maybe other people are re- really anointed, but I'm not really anointed. Have you ever been reading your Bible? Like, that's the first question right there. But you're reading along... And you come across that passage and you're like, I don't get that. What does that mean? What did it compel you to do? Go find some other Christian and go, do you know what this means? (laughs) And they're like, well, I've got part of it. And I've always sort of said, let's go find the other Christians. And you sit down with them. And a few of them are like, well, and this and then that. And now here's the whole picture. And so now you know what the water and the blood are talking about. You're like, oh, I get it. That's the anointing. That compelled your heart to go seek out the answer from the person that you knew had more answers than you. And as they shared with you and there was still a gap, you went and found others. This is the anointing of the body of Christ. This is Hebrews saying, do not forbid the assembling of yourselves together. So that you find these things, you know these things. You know, Charles Taze Russell, founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, in conflict with all of the ministers that are trying to teach him in his youth, getting kicked out of churches, having arguments and fights and quarrels with everybody, finally decides, I'm rewriting the Bible. And he does. And his followers all know that he has sat down and he's rewritten the Bible. And over the years, they erase that from their history so now the people in the jehovah's witnesses think that it was a large group of scholars who got together studied the original text and rewrote the bible and came up with what they refer to as the new world translation no no it was just charles taze russell in his incredibly rebellious vain mind who said, I want the Bible to say things other than what it says. So I'll just scratch this part out, and I'll write this in here, and I'll add a comma, and I'll lowercase this, and change the whole thing. When, when right? one individual isn't reliant upon the anointing and the Scripture to be taught and how it forces us into submission to it and how we learn and teach one another, we are the body of Christ collectively. This anointing has to work as Christ designed it. You don't need, right? You don't have to buy the tapes. You don't have to buy the series. You don't have to follow Charles Day's Russell or Joseph Smith or Brigham Young's uh, teachings. You follow the word of God, the leading and the unction of your heart, and you will learn what you need to. Now, little children, verse 28, abide in him, right? Oh, we heard Jesus tell us that, didn't we? John 15, abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? No one separated from me can bear fruit. You have to remain in me. Here, John, little children, abide in him. And when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Isn't it funny how the older we get, right? Uh, we start to y- refer to everyone as so much younger than ourselves. Well, I was talking to this kid the other day, and he was, well, he is 35 years old, and he is married, and he does have three children, and he does own his own business. Well, he's a kid, you know what I'm saying? He's <sighs> a kid. Little children. This is the elder John saying, you've already learned these things, and you got to hang on to them. I'm speaking to you as an elder brother, an elder father who's telling you, how this works, how this function, how it feeds your very soul. you got to stay, abide in him. When he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. Right? I hope you don't go to bed, right? Or even late into the evening, think like, oh, God, don't, just don't come back right now. You know? <clears throat> just like, come, in fact, don't come back until Sunday. You know, I need to go to church. I need to talk to the pastor. I need to pray. Need to call my friend. Just don't, please. Just don't come back right now. Please don't function like that. All right, that needs to be just the air horn in your ear, not like a soft, subtle thing. The next time a thought like that goes through your head, if it ever does, be resoundingly alarmed. Right about where you're at. The confidence we have is in the abiding. It's not that you've been robbed of your salvation or you've lost your salvation. The confidence is you're where you're supposed to be. You're unconcerned. Why? Because Jesus has me. I'm in him. He's in me. This is right where I belong. I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. I'm not out on the edge. I'm not living on the fringe. I'm deep in the heart of my Savior, where I need to be. All of those, you know, alarming phrases. Pastor Will, as a Christian, can I, you know, sleep with my girlfriend? Can I smoke? Is it okay if I drink? Can I, you know, no and no and no. You know, just, you need to be far away from those things. In the center and the heart of your Savior. In the place of security and trust. Where you can lay your head on the pillow at the end of the day, knowing if he appears... While you're asleep, you will be in his presence. He, he, he has you. you know, are you saying that if I'm out on the fringe, I could lose my salvation? Not at all. You could also be self-deceived. You think you're on the fringe when, in fact, you're not even inside the circle at all. That's a dangerous thing. Well, tell me where the line is. It's deep inside the center of Christ. That's where it is. It's not out on the fringe. It's not in the wonderment. It's not in the maybe. Right? Chuck Smith used to say, you can live your life under an exclamation point or a question mark. You choose. Right? Saved. Exclamation point. Saved? <laughs> question mark? That's no good. You don't want the question mark. You want the exclamation point. You want it to be such that you are sure, you're confident in him. This whole thing, you're not ashamed before him at his coming. What a horrible thought. He arrives, what do you got in your hand? Wish I didn't have this in my hand right now, you know. (laughs) Maybe I am saved. Just wish I didn't have this. That's not how we want to live as believers. We want to live in a place where the words that are coming out of my mouth are from him. And what's in my hand was given to me by him at his appearance. I can rest in the assurance. Read it again. We'll close it out. Now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him practicing righteousness like we used to practice sin Like he talked about in the beginning, anyone who walks in darkness. It's the idea of, is this your perpetual attempt? Are you constantly trying to... It's not self-righteous. It's not perfect in the sense that the world implies. We're not arrogant in Christ. It's just that I've abandoned the living, the walking, the practicing of darkness. You know, I stumble. I even fall. You stumble. You fall. You get right back up, right? You find the light. You reorganize yourself. And you start taking those one after the other steps with Christ. It may his word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, it's not a million miles out. You just shine it down there. You can see so clearly. Come on, everybody. Let's go this direction. It's just illuminating the path right in front of your feet. And that's all you need in a very dark place, Right? Remember when Josh got lost on Mount Katahdin and the Harvey boys were with him? Holy cow. Harvey boys show up back at base camp, Roaring Brook, Mount Katahdin, and they say, your nephew is up on the trail with Nick Eastman. I'm like, what? Slightly foggy, pitch black. Were you there, Mark, when that happened? But how far up on the trail? We left him two hours ago. What? We came down over Knife's Edge. We were on one peak. They were on the other peak. We could just yell across and they could hear us. They still had to go all the way down and then all the way back up to where? Well, that's where we left them. Did you leave them a flashlight? No. (laughs) They're in the pitch black on Mount Katahdin coming down Knife's Edge Trail into Roaring. You are out of your mind. We all left. Flashlights ran up the trail ran i ran for 45 minutes with dennis harvey we round a corner and nick and josh step out on the trail from behind a pine tree and they both just dove on us and hung on just crazy silly crying hooting and hollering they had continued to walk down the trail for over an hour right All those spurs that lead the water off the path that go down in the woods that look like a trail, they never turned off one of them. They had stayed right on the trail without any light at all. Miraculous guidance. Miraculous leading of the Holy Spirit. Right? We had little tiny flashlights, and that's all all we walked down with. We just grabbed the flashlights that were on the picnic table, some waters threw them in a backpack, and went. And all we needed was that little bit of light. To guide us down. All we needed to see was what was right at our feet. That's all you need to see with your life. Word of God open, illuminating today, this moment, the next step. Let Christ guide you. This is what you need to abide in, right? You know, spiritually, we get that mindset like, oh, it's it's a thrill when we put down the flashlight and we wander around in the dark. It's so exciting. <laughs> No, it's really scary. You need to stay where you belong. You need to stay where the path is. You need to abide in Christ. Let him bring you all the way to that finish line, as verse 25 says, eternal life. Now and in eternity. Abide in Christ. Make sense? All right. We'll pick up with uh, chapter 3 next week. Why don't we stand and we'll pray. Father God, we are grateful for your love, your work, your word, your Holy Spirit, your guidance. The way that you minister to us, help us to be men and women that abide in you. that see your work and your will being done in our lives. Use us as your ministers, Lord. We want to be about your work. We want to be about your will. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.